Welcome to a special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, our procrastination special men's basketball preview. As the Knights are already already have one game in the books, but it's been so busy around here that we wanted to get this out here, and uh, we've got a lot going on. So I am Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. What's up, Elo? Not much. Basketball season's here. I'm ready. Can you believe it, man? I, this year is has gone by way too quickly. You know, yeah, here we are in November. Thanksgiving, yeah, you know. Football's coming on end. Basketball starting. It's, it's crazy. Well, so we got a special edition here. It's going to be our little basketball preview. We got a couple interviews that we wanted to bring out for you here. Uh, I've got BJ Taylor, who's back this year. Talked to him during Media Day. We'll give you a little bit of that conversation that I had with him. And then our special guest for this uh, for this special program is the one, the only Mike O'Donnell, former UCF point guard, has developed a very nice broadcasting career of his own. Of course, he worked in administration at UCF for a little while, um, and one of the most beloved UCF players and really figures in uh, program history. So uh, we'll have Mike on uh, today to talk about UCF basketball. So uh, first, let's just set the scene for uh, what's going on with UCF in its first year under head coach Johnny Dawkins, former two-time player of the year at Duke, longtime NBA player with the Spurs and the 76ers, among others. Uh, head co- uh, went back to Duke to coach under Coach K, is now and then uh, actually held the job at Stanford most recently for a while. Stanford let him go, but UC, but he came back here to UCF under Danny White. There's the Duke connection for you. Uh, and the Knights already won and zero in the season, eighty fifty six win on Monday over Nichols State, led by Matt Williams, who uh, was hot from three point range at six threes, had twenty points. Taco Fall was sixteen and sixteen. B.J. Taylor was back there. A little bit of a little bit of a taste of what we hope we will see from UCF in the home opener, Eric. What were your impressions uh, from this team uh, as they start this uh, this new era under Johnny Dawkins? Well, you didn't know what to expect, right? Johnny Dawkins, new coach, you know, rosters questions, you know, depth questions, and uh, it was good to see BJ back out there. I think we've forgotten how good BJ Taylor was his first oh, yeah. year. And he uh, was a freshman hot. too, you know. I mean, he was he was so good, and yeah. he was you could tell how raw he was back then, right? And he missed all of last year, which probably derailed that season last year. In all honesty, because UCF really doesn't have an answer at point guard for a BJ Taylor. They didn't have it last year. I don't think they have it this year either. So, uh, you know, that was good to see, and I was good to see Taco really be involved and being uh, very nimble and not so robotic and uh, very optimistic. Because to me, one of the big things about this season is. The individual developments of a BJ Taylor and a Taco Fall, and because let's be honest, this team has got some hills that they're, they're going to have to climb, and uh, they got some deficiencies with the lack of the the depth on the roster, with a variety of reasons, and there's a lot of guys sitting out for next year. So uh, I think if you can get those marquee improvements from a BJ Taylor and a Taco Fall, and those guys going into next year, then I think now the the expectations can be realistic. I think this year it's more of a learning curve and learning Coach Dawkins and learning the style and, and seeing what these guys can do here. And um, that's going to be interesting to me as the season unfolds. Yeah, a couple of the guys that uh, you know are not back this year, obviously, Adonis Enriquez, who is last year's second-leading scorer on the team, um, is gone. Justin McBride is gone. He's at Valdosta State. Um, Shahid Davis obviously graduated. Uh, Stephon Blair also graduated. Um, but those are some key key people in the lineup that the Knights uh, now no longer have at their disposal. A lot of youth now on the lineup uh, or out there for UCF, and guys trying to figure out their way 
in the roster. But, you know, I thought that the starting five, once A.J. Davis gets healthy, uh, you're looking at a starting five right now of uh, Tank Effiani, uh B.J. Taylor, Taco Fall, A.J. Davis, and, uh, and Matt Williams. Nick Bannard actually looked really good in that game uh, against, uh, against Nickel State. Uh, coming off the bench. He's a redshirt senior, one of these guys who's transferred over from uh, some major programs. He came over from Illinois State, um, kid from Texas, and he's a redshirt senior. So he, was, so he got some run, and that game looked really good. You got some other names out there from some places who've come over uh, with Johnny Dawkins. Dayon Griffin, a junior from St. Pete, who came over from Louisiana Tech. Uh, Roca Silvitas, who's uh, a 6'11 guy from Texas Tech, who came over. Aubrey Dawkins. Uh, who is uh, Johnny Dawkins' son, came over from uh, Michigan. He's a junior. And then uh, on top of some other fellows who came over as well, Nathan Lang, who came over from Jacksonville State. So a lot of transfers coming over in addition to the youth movement. So um, so there's a lot of guys here are going to be kind of finding their way here at UCF. But, Eric, you mentioned B.J. Taylor, uh, the redshirt sophomore who's now basically in his third year at UCF but missed all of last year, redshirted because of the injuries that he suffered, Boone High School graduate. I caught up with him on media day, Eric, and uh, he looked like Mr. Universe out there. He's been hitting the weight room hard, and uh, here's a snippet of that conversation that I had with BJ. First of all, how are you feeling after uh, last year with your injury and all that? I feel good. Uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been a long process having to sit out for so long, but... Around May is when my ankle got 100% healthy, so think about it, it was all the way from October until May it took for me to get completely healthy, but now I feel I feel great, my body's in great shape. Um, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look like you put on some yeah, muscle, man. Yeah, my body's in great shape, I'm as lean as I've ever been, and I'm jumping over 40 inches in the vertical, um, running as fast as I possibly can, and running fast as I've ever ran, let me say that. But it's been great, and I'm, my game is in a great place. I feel good about my, my skills and putting a lot of off-season work this, this off-season, so I'm just excited to get it rolling. What's the biggest change in your game from, you know, when you came in as a freshman that kind of handed you the ball and be like, okay, go play? Yeah. You know, and that, and when you're coming in as a, in a true freshman, I can't imagine what that transition must be. You get the year off. Do you think that it, despite dealing with the injury, that it helped you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it, it's depending on how you take it. If, if you're somebody who has pity on themselves and, like, just weeps and feels sad and doesn't take advantage of the time off and want people to feel bad for you, then you won't grow in a situation like that. But I, from the day that I knew I wasn't going to play last season, I, I tried every day to do something to improve, whether it was watching more film on top players in the NBA, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry's, the small things that they do, and just improving my body over the offseason. I think I grew so much during that time. So I think the biggest thing that I've, I've probably grown in, even more than just on the floor, my abilities, which have grown, but probably just been maturity. Just learning over, learning so much over this time and growing as a player and growing as a person that I think my maturity will show this season and spreading that, the knowledge I have to the guys on this team. Last question for you. Now you're in your first year under Coach Dawkins, yeah. who was a scoring point guard and yeah. was the National Player of the Year when he was not far from your age. Twice. Twice. And what, in the short time that you've been with him so far, mm -hmm. what new things have you learned from him in terms of your craft and playing point? I think I've learned that you have to be yourself more than anything. You can't try to be somebody else. Like, I can't try to be Russell Westbrook. I can't try to be Chris Paul. Like, you got to be who you are as a player. 
but you have to learn to use your aggressiveness and harness it and help the team grow as well. And everybody knows that I'm a, I'm a good scorer, I'm a talented scorer, and I'm a scorer for the team, but also I'm a guy who can set other players up. I'm a guy who can be aggressive and not only use my aggressiveness for myself, but help set other help set the other players up. And the other biggest thing I've learned is that no matter what's going on in the game, you have to keep competing and come to compete at a high level every night and just play to win. And those are probably the biggest things I've learned from him. And also, never let your highs get too high, your lows get too low. If you're shooting zero for 10, shoot the next one like you're 10 for 10. If you're shooting 10 for 10, you need to keep the same focus and play with the same mindset and discipline as you did early on in the game. So it, I, I could go on for a long time about how much I've learned from him in a short period of time. But it's just going to help my game. It's going to help this team grow overall. Good stuff, man. Thanks. Appreciate, appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. BJ's always so positive, right? I mean, he's, uh, he's, he just totally gets it, has embraced the change, and uh, I'm expecting some good things from him under, uh, under Coach Dawkins, who, you know, if you look, go back and look at the film, Coach Dawkins had a pretty good, uh, was one of those kind of point guards who could score too. You know, I mean, he was a little bit more slight than BJ was, but, um, but I can't think of a better guy for BJ to learn under than Coach Dawkins right now. Oh, I mean, a former, a one former point guard, Coaching another? I mean, you kidding me? I mean, if you're B.J. Taylor, I mean, gets as good as it gets. A former player of the year in college basketball, a guy that ended up playing in the NBA for a while. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a good fit. And I think if you're Johnny Dawkins, that's got to get you excited that you've got a talented point guard you could work with right away. So uh, I think there's nothing but positives from that for B.J. Taylor. And, uh, you know, that's that'll be fascinating to see what he can pick up from Coach Dawkins and from vice versa. All right, and speaking of point guards, time now for our special guest on this basketball preview. Uh, we had set, we had a uh, we were fortunate enough to snag him for about twenty minutes, and uh, he gave us uh, plenty of stuff to talk about here regarding UCF. Here is, here is none other than Mike O'Donnell, former UCF point guard, um, and also now an analyst with the American Digital Network, and also uh, with ESPN doing some uh, regional games as well. Uh, with teams around the American Athletic Conference. He was kind enough to give us his insight into uh, Johnny Dawkins coming to UCF, what the players are thinking, and what UCF is going to be facing in terms of competition on the schedule, both uh, out of conference and in conference, uh, when conference play begins in the American. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Mike O'Donnell. Joining us now, one of the most beloved basketball players in UCF history, one of the most beloved dudes at UCF anywhere, uh, played at UCF from 05 to 08, uh, did uh, analysis on the radio broadcast for a while. Uh, he currently works for the American Digital Network, and he does analysis as well for ESPN3 covering American Athletic Conference games. And you can listen to him talking with Mark Daniels on the beat of sports on 96.9 The Game every Friday at 10.15. They chat what's going on in college basketball. We are so happy to have him on for the first time on this show, Mike O'Donnell. What's up, Mike? Yeah, man, that is the nicest intro I have ever received in my life. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad I got it on the second take. All right, so, uh, <laughs> so Mike, we're looking at this team, and hey, it's a brand new era in UCF men's basketball with Johnny Dawkins taking over uh, as the head coach. One game's already in the books, the win over Nickel State, and a big win it was. But, um, you know, whenever you have a new head coach, everyone's got to get used to the new system. And there's some levels of unfamiliarity that, you know, every player kind of has to deal with. So 
I think that there was a lot of talk about how, oh, Johnny Dawkins is here. That means the Duke system is coming to UCF. Because, you know, Johnny being a Duke guy and coached at Stanford and brought that over. So, But mm-hmm. is, is that really the case, or does Johnny kind of have his own thing that he does? And what does that look like? How is UCF basketball different this year from the past? Well, I think there'll be a lot of Duke philosophies, and it's not because it's just Duke, and it's not um, because the Duke system is the best system, but every coach takes good things and bad things away from their playing day from their coaching days um, as assistant coaches, as head coaches, and they build uh, their intangibles from what they've received uh, in the past to create their own mantra as a coach. I I wouldn't say that um, those Stanford teams that he coached, Coach Dawkins, um, when he was at uh, Stanford, were played exactly the same as Duke. And I don't think the way that UCF is going to play in the next couple of years is going to be exactly like Duke. I think it's going to be more from you're going to see some of the the culture of toughness and defense and the way he's going to recruit, maybe emulate that a little bit. I But uh, you never – you can't bring over – an entire system into a university because people are different. You know, the, the size of the school is different. Conference is different. Um, there's just too many things that um, that don't always add up. Um, but what I think you'll see mainly he'll bring is a sense of ownership in the university that I think has been lacking um, to where when you wear those three letters across your chest. I mean, it, it, it has to mean something. And we hear, I, I know Jeff and Eric, I mean, you guys have heard it and probably talked about it at nausea, but you know, you listen to coach Dawkins's press conference and he talks about the great potential and he's so happy to be here and it's good location. And we know that as UCF graduates, but you know, I, I think now more than ever, Due to the incredible facilities that UCF has and the administration really pouring in some dollars into the basketball program, this is a time to where you're going to look at and say, okay, you know, UCF basketball in the next couple of years needs to go to an NCAA tournament. I think it's very safe to say that. I don't think it's foolish or, um, uh, you know, outlandish or me just talking as a fan, I think that's a realistic expectation. I think he's got the pedigree to do so. He's going to have to recruit accordingly. But uh, I think fans are going to be really excited about um, the style of play and what they're going to see in the next couple of years. Mike, you've been around them a little bit now. You've been around them since he's been hired. Uh, you even were there with the American Conference Media Day. Uh, what's it like being around him, talking to him basketball-wise? I mean, here's here's a guy that people may not realize, some of the young folks, was one of the greatest players in college basketball history, one of the great guards at Duke, was a player of the year. Um, and, and being around him briefly, around, not really talking to him, but briefly, there's a presence there. There's a kind of a respect there. I had a chance to talk to him when he was on Tuck and O'Neill when he got hired, and there's a presence there that, uh, to me, I think is super valuable, as you talked about, for this program, where I think he's going to open doors for people that maybe didn't know UCF basketball. Now they're going to be interested because, hey, they know who Johnny Dawkins is. Yeah, no, he brings, uh, I think you're right, you know, it's instant credibility. 
um, you know, as a player, um, you can't talk any crap to him because he's done yeah. way more than he than any of the yeah. players on the team have. You know, I mean, you can't. There's no scenario in which you could possibly disagree with what he's doing because not only has he done it before. He's done at a high level. He's won at a high level. And then he's competed in the NBA dunk contest, for crying out loud. And he was a good NBA player. And so, you know, he knows he, – he, he just doesn't know how to win at a high level in college. He also knows what it takes to get to the next level uh, in the NBA, which is – that's the goal. For every player who plays college – I mean, you want to play in the NBA. It doesn't matter who you are. And he's done it. He knows the right path to do that. And I think, you know, he's going to – you know, but he also – when I've talked to him, you know, I've just been – and it's it's exciting to hear this. And I go back – I go back to this. And it's just – as a former UCF player, it's really important to me. You know, he is all about taking pride into the program of when you're not just putting on a practice uniform to go practice. You're not just putting on a game jersey to play an opponent. You are representing a university that stands for something – and you're starting to see the players take ownership in that. Um, I've always been a yeah, – I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, but I've always been kind of – I try to preach, you know, if I'm just talking UCF, I want former student-athletes to wear their polos, to wear their former uh, uh, warm-up T-shirts and UCF T-shirts. You know, you're walking brands and ambassadors of the university – and I don't think that gets talked about enough from the uh, from the basketball team. And Dawkins is bringing that kind of level of pride and ownership in the program, which I think is really special. Yeah, I think that goes into, like, buying in. Now, I think two of the guys from, you know, what I've seen have really bought in, um, B.J. Taylor and Taco Fall. And when I talked to B.J. during media day, I couldn't get over how – he looks like he is like he's getting ready to compete in the Mr. Universe pageant. I mean, he looks like he has really hit the weight room after missing all of last year with uh, with the injury. You've played that position at UCF where you're running the point. He's a redshirt sophomore now, even though it's his third year on campus. What's the outlook for BJ heading into this year? What's he going to have to do for this team to be successful? Well, uh, you know, we didn't really touch on you know the lineup. But they're shorthanded, and BJ is going to have to do a lot. Uh, that is a cliche understatement of the year. <laughs> but what is what BJ is going to have to do is number one, before anything on the court, you know, he needs to be that vocal leader on the floor. I think uh, uh, I believe Dawkins made AJ Davis captain. But uh, when you're the point guard, you have to have some type of vocal presence. And as a freshman, he was outstanding. I mean, he was an all-freshman uh, um, uh, conference player. He was great. But, you know, the next step you take in the evolution of your um, development outside of the court is how do you handle locker room scenarios? You know, how, how do you handle the huddle? Uh, that's such a big deal for point guards. You know, we talk about the game within the game. And I think B, I don't think he's quite there yet, um, but I think he's getting there because he's is his basketball IQ is it really is through the roof. He's going to have to score, um, and uh, he's going to have to quite honestly stay out of foul trouble, um, and that's that's hard to do. It's it's hard to play the point guard position, play 36 minutes a game, 
and not foul. You know, it's just going to happen, especially with the physical defense that Dawkins is playing. I think, you know, he needs to score in double figures every night. Um, The next step in his game is when you're going to see teams, you know, double him in a pick-and-roll scenario or shade to his side on the wing because he's just so strong and physical and quick that it's he can overpower a lot of guards. He needs to be able to drive and kick and find the open guy. You know, I, I noticed it happened a lot for his freshman year. You know, he'd knock a couple buckets in, and then he'd put his head down and freight train himself into the lane. And he can do that in high school. And he got caught amongst the trees a few times last year and had a few costly turnovers. And that's just me being hard on BJ because he's just I just think that he can just be absolutely phenomenal. But when he is able to drive and kick, penetrate inside of the lane area and find open teammates and to where the defense has to respect that part of his game. I don't know many guards or many defenses that are going to be able to have a game plan to stop him. And when he, cause when he is able to take that uh, evolution of his game to the next level, he's going to end up being uh, he could end up, he has all the skill sets to be one of the best players in the history of UCF basketball. He missed all of last season, Mike, uh, and that really hurt the team last year, clearly. And you mentioned it, that that's, he's very important to this team. Is there a kind of a, a time period here where he has to adjust? Because, you know, he didn't play last year, so he's got to get back to competition on the court. It's one thing to train and practice, but here you are. You're playing in real high competition, and maybe he's got to kind of learn, not relearn himself, but kind of trust himself back that he's fully 100%. I think there's a little bit of that. Um, anytime that you're wor- if you're worried, anytime when you're playing and you're worried about getting hurt, you end up getting hurt. So, I mean, you, you have to you can't worry about that if 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 it if it's in his head that he's trying to play tentative, you know, on that foot, uh, he's going to get himself hurt. I haven't seen him do that in practice. I don't think he's favoring it at all. I think he looks great. Um, I mean, he basically had a year and a half uh, to get healthy. And I mean, he's as far as I can tell, he's 100 percent healthy. There's a little bit of timing issue, Eric, but. He, you know, played a lot during the summer when you're talking pickup and he, you know, he practiced the whole time this year, you know, played in the exhibition or those secret scrimmages. Um, There might be a little bit early on the coming year, but that's really every season. I mean, he's he's healthy enough to where I don't think I would even worry about it. And of course, Taco Fall never got to play with him last year. And now here we go with Taco in his second year. How big of a boost is this for Taco? that BJ's on the court with him and can make his game better, right? Because point guards usually, you know, set up the big guys and uh, keep them happy and make them a better player. That's, to me, Mike, and I don't know how you feel about it, that's to me the most fascinating thing about this season is seeing BJ and Taco playing together and what the the, ability, the capabilities are of those two playing together. Yeah, if, if they use each other correctly. Um, and I think in the first game they did a pretty good job. Um, you could have a great point guard and a great center, but if they don't play off each other, you know, you wouldn't even know they existed. Um, in the, uh, you know, Taco will be involved in some pick and rolls. Where, where Taco is going to be able to bail out BJ is when BJ, when he puts his head down and he turns into that freight train that I talked about earlier, when he's able to just toss it up and lob it up literally anywhere around the rim, and Taco can just grab it and and slam it like he does. 
that's a that is such a relief as a point guard because it gives you an automatic bailout move. And, and anytime when you're when you drive amongst the trees as a point guard and you have a bailout move, that's great. And if your bailout move happens to be tossing the ball uh, up to a seven foot six center uh, who catches everything, that's beautiful, man. You know, I'd be I'd be foaming at the mouth if I was B.J. Taylor. Taking a look at the other guys that are in the lineup, you know, Matt Williams had a very good game shooting from outside in the opener, 6 of 11 from three-point range. And then uh, Tank Ifani, you know, didn't have a very good uh, shooting day, but did record nine rebounds. A.J. Davis didn't play, but we expect to see him in there. Nick Banyard filled in for him and, uh, and uh, scored in double figure. Actually had a double-double of his own, 10 and 12. So it looks to me, Mike, like uh, they have the makings of a pretty good looking starting five in terms of talent and in terms of experience what do you think about this group I, it's a really good starting five again they're just there's just no depth you know literally there's you know he might be only able to play seven eight guys I mean, you've got a couple walk-ons that'll be playing in yeah. coach lang's son and um and george but you know they're gonna have to find minutes in in, in other areas tank Tank has a lot of skill. I, I I I think he's got a great shot. I'd love for him to be more aggressive. I think the I think the more aggressive he is towards the rim, as opposed of um, he took some shots last year. You know, fade away nineteen footers that I'm looking at him. I'm saying, you know, just you know, Go you got to get hole, that. Right? Yeah, you got to get that Kobe out of your system, man. You just got to <laughs> let it go. You know, but he's a great three point shooter. He really is, and he's a good enough athlete to get to the rim. You know, he just I'd like to see him attack more. Um, A.J. Davis will be back in three weeks. He might be the most he might be the best all around player in conference. Um, his skill set is just is, is incredible. You know, he's a he's your classic point forward, really difficult mismatch for opposing teams. Um, and when he's back in the starting lineup, you know, it, it, it totally changes everything. Matt Williams is one of my just favorite people uh, that's ever put on the UCF jersey before. He's an incredible kid, hard worker, tough, uh, loves playing for the Knights. And, uh, I mean, he's a knockdown three-point shooter. I mean, you saw it in the opening game. He uh, hit six threes. Uh, he's a big-time shooter. I mean, if you take if you take on the perimeter, you know, the pair of B.J. Taylor, Matt Williams, and A.J. Davis, and then you complement that with Taco Fall – that's as good of a that's as good of a four a group of fours you're going to find um, in the American, um, and I believe that uh, it's going to take some a little bit of time to gel, and uh, but I think it's a strong, very talented group, and I I actually think you'll see Chad Brown get a lot of minutes as the season progresses. I know Coach Dawkins really likes Chad; um, it calls him an everyday guy. You know, he might have nicks, nicks and bruises and sprains and all that stuff, but he shows up to practice every day and never sits out. You know, he's just all he just loves to play. So I think he's is very, very raw offensively, but he's incredibly gifted athletically. And I think you'll see Chad Brown get a lot of minutes off the bench. Is he one of the keys to the season for this team? You mentioned the lack of depth on this team for a variety of reasons. Uh, we've talked about BJ being a big factor, but a guy like Chad Brown, who may have to give men uh, energy off the bench, who may have to play multiple positions inside, depending on matchups, is a guy like that a, a key guy to watch? But maybe the casual fan doesn't know about, but could be a big factor for this team to have success. 
I think so. You know, I don't know if he is exactly a key to this success, but it's just a part of it. You know, it's it's part of that flow, Eric, of, you know, Chad has to be productive off the bench um, regardless of if someone's in foul trouble or not. You know, it can't be, you know, the it can't be the only time Chad comes in is when Taco's in foul trouble. You know, Coach Dawkins has to have enough faith in him to put Chad in to compliment Taco as opposed to putting him in for, a, um, you know, because he has to, because he just has literally no other choice. And uh, I'm, I think, you know, in itself, that whole, that scheme, that frame of thought is a, is a big key for this year. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and finish up here, Mike, with a couple things. You know, you've got, obviously you're following the American this year. We're going to see you on TV a lot on ESPN three. You're keeping track of a bunch of teams on the, uh, you know, around the conference in the pre in the preseason. Well, I call it the preseason, but the non-conference season before we mm-hmm. get uh, right before New Year's Day. I was looking at the schedule, and you know, things there. There are a couple of modest challenges on there. You know, UMass, Penn, for example, uh, Miami of Ohio. Before UCF gets to conference play, uh, what is your what would be the optimal outlook for UCF in the non-conference schedule? And then when we get to conference, who are the teams that we need to keep a very close eye on? Well, if you can get to eight to ten wins before you hit conference, I think that's I think that's uh, that's really good. Um, you know, you mentioned some of those teams. I mean, it, it, here are the teams they have to take care of. You know, they they need to beat Seattle, Stetson. You know, you're at UMass. It's hard to win at UMass. It really is. Yep. Uh, but if you could steal a win there. Um, that'd be great. Penn at home. Um, Penn is a little down this year, but they are a, uh, they're a really solid Patriot, uh, league team, excuse me, Ivy league team. And you're at George Washington, um, really, really hard place to play. I mean, they were that George Washington team last year was outstanding, uh, when they beat the Knights, uh, at, uh, in Orlando. Um, and then you got to take care of Miami, Ohio, and Bethune Cookman, um, it's hard, you know, that that college of Charleston, um, excuse me, the, the Charleston Classic coming up here in a few days is going to be a big test, you know, because they could, um, depending on how they do, they could, you know, they're, they're going to play Mississippi State, but then they could play Boise State. They could even play Villanova or Wake Forest. So you have opportunities to steal a couple games early that help your RPI you know, help your strength of schedule. And uh, that's big because, you know, you're, you're playing to uh, um, you're playing to get in some type of postseason, you know, with the talent in this team, if you can get to 10 wins before conference play, you know, the, the opportunity to play in the NIT is not a far fetched idea. Um, and I think that's what you would have to work for. Look at the conference, Mike, what's your kind of thoughts? I know you were up there at media day covering it for the American digital network. What stands out to you as far as this conference, which, you know, certainly it's got some intriguing storylines going into the season and uh, some interesting plot lines going in? Well, so far at the beginning of the year, um, some of the teams we thought were going to be really good have been playing terrible. And uh, some of the bottom lever teams have looked uh, really good. Uh, for example, um, uh, USF is much better um, when they get their point guard Jamal McMurray back from suspension on December third, I believe is when it comes back. Is uh, they're going to be they're going to be very good. They're very athletic. Their backcourt's very good. 
Uh, Tulane is much improved. You have uh, Coach Dunleavy, who's taken over that program, and I called their game last night. And I tell you, that does not look like your normal Tulane, um, you know, kind of slow-paced team. I mean, they're 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 sprinting in transition, throwing alley oops, running uh, NBA-style offense. They're fun to watch. UConn just went zero and two at home, and they lost um, to to North. Uh, I believe it was Northeastern, and um, and Wagner. They lost their their opener to Wagner, and I don't know what is going on. Uh, with the Huskies, but they have looked bad in the first two games. Um, East Carolina is improved. Uh, Temple uh, Temple lost a game the other night that they should have lost. Uh, Houston will be very good. SMU will will be very good again, and um, I think you'll see. Uh, but I, I I'm telling you right now, Cincinnati they are built for the Sweet 16. They have one of the best point guards in the country. In Troy Copain, you know their defense is just absolutely ridiculous. It's impossible to score against them, and they added some offensive uh, firepower in a transfer from NC State, Kyle Washington, uh, who is uh, basically average a double double at NC State in the ACC. So I think he, uh, I think Cincinnati is poised for a Sweet 16 run. They're built uh, for the tournament. I think this could be the year Cincinnati goes on a run. What do you think about the Memphis now with Tubby Smith as the head coach too? After Josh Pastner for so many years there, you've played in that against Memphis program before in the past. You've been to that building at Memphis, a great fan base, and I think the conference is kind of hoping that Memphis kind of returns to being that team, a Sweet Sixteen, like you talk about with Cincinnati and and Connecticut's of the world there in the conference. We saw him last year in Orlando make the run to the championship game before losing to Connecticut, and then uh, Josh Pashner decides to go to Georgia Tech, and now Tubby Smith comes over from Texas Tech. Yeah, well, Tubby is um, – he's a Hall of Fame coach, period. You know, he um, – if he takes Memphis to an NCAA tournament in the next couple of years, that'll be six different teams he's taken to the NCAA tournament. That's unheard of. Um, he just can flat-out coach. I think they'll love him in Memphis. Um, I think he fits that city really well. He'll be able to recruit – um, they are, uh, he's the perfect scenario right now to kind of bring some tough and grittiness to, uh, a grittiness to that city and that program. The facilities are there. The support is there. Um, um, there's plenty of administrative support and dollars into the program, but they just have to recruit according to Tubby's system. It won't be like the old, uh, Calipari teams with the dribble drive offense and, 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 pressing but it will be a physical style of basketball i mean this is a guy who won a national championship i mean he just can flat out coach and i think he'll be able to turn that memphis program around and and i I, you know that's a program at his age that you could see him retiring at memphis and you know ending his career on a high note i mean he's you know, he'll be there. He could be there for another six to eight years. And uh, I think he'll be he'll be just fine. And I think they're really going to like him up there. And it's he elevates uh, the American Conference brand. There's no question. Well, we got a lot of tough, good, really good, really tough coaches in this league and a lot of really good, really tough players, too. And, uh, boy, this is good. this should be a really interesting. It's almost like we're getting ready for this gigantic science experiment this year with UCF basketball playing uh, not just their non-conference, but in the American. Mike O'Donnell, thank you so much. Hey, where can people follow you throughout the year, Mike? 
On Twitter, uh, you've got uh, M-O-D, the number four, and then the word three. That's M-O-D for three on Twitter. And uh, I'll be uh, traveling all over the place uh, up until Christmas here doing games. All right, and you'll be on ESPN3 here and there, I understand, with the American Digital Network as well. And uh, Yes, sir. It's, it's, always mm-hmm. fun to, it's always fun to see. And you're also going to be on the Beat of Sports every Friday at t- around 10.15. Is that right? That's right. Yep, ten fifteen every Friday. Uh, our step back three segment. It's an all hoop segment for the beat of sports. All right, Mike O'Donnell. Thank you so much, and uh, I hope we can check in with you one more time right before conference play. What do you say? Yeah, would love that. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon. All righty. And thanks again to Mike. You know who's been such a good friend of ours since even when you know he came here right when we were just getting ready to graduate, right? And uh, remember how when he came over from NC State, and we're like, "Ooh, this guy from NC State, he can shoot," and uh, and he became a and he became one of the great point guards and great shooters in uh, UCF history, and has stayed close to the program. and uh, And uh, we owe Mike tremendous thanks. I'm hoping we can get him back on here again uh, some point soon, uh, maybe here and there throughout the year. Yeah, he's fantastic to talk to, down to earth guy. Had a heck of a good career at UCF. I'll never forget the three pointer he made and. 2007 in a marquee game against a good Houston team in a battle for second place uh, to Memphis in the uh, Conference USA when the uh, the old with now the venue used to be the old UCF arena was rocking. Um, clutch player has done it all. UCF was a color analyst for Mark Daniels for for a little while and, and then moved into director of uh, operations for, uh, under the coaching staffs under Donnie Jones and stuff like that. He's done it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, knowing him, he's always had that uh, – he's always wanted to do the broadcasting. You know, he did Bright House Sports Network for a while when uh, – still does. I mean, he does Bright House ne- – uh, or high school games as well. We forget, forgot to mention that. But he also did the Bright House Sports Network games when UCF games were on there. So yeah. I think that's his passion. It's obvious, and he does. A, he's a fantastic at it. Uh, he has a gift for it. Uh, so I'm excited that he's in the broadcasting deal, doing ESPN3, doing the Bright House thing. Um, and, and what's interesting, you know, uh, he's going to be a guy that I think should be considered uh, for the UCF Hall of Fame here in the future when you consider the contributions yeah. that he's done for basketball on and off the court, Jeff. Cause, and you, you, you worked at UCF, so you know a little bit more about the Hall of Fame and how that works behind the scenes and stuff. Uh, when you put the whole, you know, they, and they, and they, correct me if I'm wrong, they have various of categories for people to get into the Hall of Fame. It's obviously your athletic achievement, uh, but there's also contributions that you've done to the program, the respective teams and, you know, stuff like that. And I think Michael Donald checks the boxes, don't you? Uh, maybe down the road, maybe to get an invite into the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. He gets my vote. There's no question about it because he, uh, you know, like you mentioned, on the court, off the court, Dude just bleeds black and gold, just like he. I I always thought, you know, he was, you know, if if any of us, you know, broadcasting nerds could have played, you know, we would have been, you know, we would have totally been in Mike O'Donnell's corner the entire time because he just you know, a guy who eats, sleeps, and breathes the game too, and uh, and I'm I'm glad we got the chance to get his insight because it's so valuable. So, uh, all right, Eric, let me give you uh, in lieu of making predictions, let me just put, let me just give you this. What are UCF's percentage chances, in your opinion, that they, A, win 20 games, and and B, make a postseason tournament? I think because of the the lack of depth, I don't think it's super high. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, if if Johnny Dawkins were able to pull that off, 
I mean, that's national coach of the year material, in my opinion. I mean, for this wins. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, this conference is tough. I mean, the coaches in this conference, man, now unbelievable. Mike Dunleavy at at Tulane for crying out loud. Now, Kelvin Sampson. Yeah, Mike Calvin's done already a great job turning around Houston. Mike Dunleavy, I know Mike uh, O'Donnell, we just heard him. He just He's very high on Tulane. you got Tubby Smith at Memphis. It's tough. I just don't know with the lack of depth, I think that catches up with you in the conference. So to me, I, I just I don't see 20 wins. Uh, I could see, you know, maybe a, I, I think a 500-type season overall. Uh, but I hope I'm wrong. If they want to improve on that, then they could certainly get in conversation for postseason. I just, I, I, I just, it's, it's tough with it's so hard. Yeah. Unique, the lack of depth is a concern, you know, and, and, and will they have enough firepower when they face, you know, the Cincinnati's of the world? That's going to be very difficult. And I think, and, and you know, when you're lacking depth, that means you almost have to be lucky and not get any serious injuries during the year. And that's, you know, so I, I just think to me, I don't even judge this season. I think this year is more of a free year, free pass. Just go have some fun, watch some basketball. You hope for some individual guys to kind of, uh, you know, play well and, and develop for next year when you have all those guys that are, you know, sitting out this year. Uh, they're, they're either transferring or being recruited by Coach Dawkins. I think you'll have a better barometer, and, and I think the, the expectations will be more realistic next year. I think this is a transitional year, and, um, yeah, I'm just. I just think you got to be realistic with it, and you just go a game at a time and uh, see what happens. And and but to me, um, the impact I think will be more off the court than on the court. I don't know. I think Coach Dawkins and will bring interest to the UCF basketball program uh, that maybe he's been lacking a little bit by name, by his name recognition um, and his presence. And I and I think the players will, will feed off of that too. And uh, I don't think lack of effort. Or uh, will be an issue this year. Uh, I don't think you'll question that, but uh, I just think to me that he's got he, you got to give him you know a year or two to build up that roster. And I think at that point, then we can start talking. I think postseason. Um, postseason. Well, you know, I still don't think like something like the CBI might be out of might be out of reach, especially if they get to about sixteen, seventeen wins. Maybe you steal a few in conference. I don't know. You know. We mentioned, you know, Mike mentioned the struggles that UConn has gotten off to under Kevin Ollie. Some of the other, I mean, I'm still in, in awe of these coaches. And Fran Dunphy, obviously, at Temple, who's been a fantastic coach over there and has been there since he took over for John Chaney. We talked about Tubby Smith. We talked about Kelvin Sampson. Frank Haith at Tulsa. Um, and, of course, Mike Dunleavy Sr. at Temple. Um, you can't forget about Mike Cronin up at Cincinnati. And then Johnny Dawkins throws his hat in the ring. So um, this is going to be a tough league. Um, Danny White was talking last week about Power Six. I think it's it's going to be pretty hard to say that UCF uh, that or that the Americans not a Power Six league in terms of basketball, considering the coaching talent in this league. So I'm hoping we get to maybe a CBI here and there. I'm thinking it might be fifty fifty on that. Um, Twenty wins. I'm thinking maybe less than ten percent chance, but. Like we said, so you're saying there's a chance. I don't know. You never know. It might get hot. Um, guys might figure it out real quick. Some other teams might fall by the wayside. And so, you know, at least it's a possibility. But I know one thing. You're absolutely right, though, Eric. This should be a fun, fun team to watch this year. And hopefully we'll get a glimmer of hope. But we'll, we'll get some glimmers of hope and uh, some little hints of things to come, don't you think? 
Yeah, hopefully. That's the key there. So that's the hope. All right. So that'll do it for our uh, men's basketball pre- special preview episode. Once again, you can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And you can find Eric Lopez at Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Thanks again, Eric. Always a pleasure, Jeff. All right. And that'll do it for this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We will catch you again next week.